This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, everybody? This is uh, Richie from Post America Podcast. I'm doing this one without the usual guys. No Mav, no Mad Joe, because we got to keep it going. The world needs us. So I called in a special guest. We've had him before a few times. His name is Craig Satari from Sick of It All. How you doing, Craig? What's up, Richie? How you doing, buddy? Thanks for having me. Yeah, for real. Yo, it was good to see you the, uh, the other week because people haven't seen each other in so long. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. It's like, uh, it's a little crazy. You know what I mean? Nobody's seeing anybody. I know. Weird times. And with this it weird is. time, you're like one of the, you know, well, you know, with between guys like us, a majority of our friends are from bands. They do that music stuff. But you're like almost like you're a full-time musician. Yeah, yeah. This is really, you know, this is a, a big concern for me uh, as far as, you know, I spent my whole life playing this music. And you know the deal. It's like, you know, we're going to be the last ones to get back to work. And, uh, you know, with the, politi- the, 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 the politically, I'm very worried about where this is going to go. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. With the whole, like, travel bans and mandatory vaccines that I'm hearing talk about. This is, uh, you know, listen, everyone needs to be concerned with the situation because, God forbid, I don't want to see anyone get sick or hurt. Yeah. And my respect to all that have passed from this and gotten sick from this but that being said we also have to make sure that in the wake of this we don't lose our constitutional rights that's my concern now have you do you know anyone that was affected by this uh virus yeah my my uh well a a guy that i know uh his father passed away and they said it was from this and uh I haven't spoken to him, though, because uh, I don't want to bother him after his father passed away, you know. And uh, he's a friend of mine, but not where I'm going to call him and, and bother him. I'm going to let him grieve, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, my, my, I just saw my downstairs neighbor who, who had it. Uh, I just saw him two hours ago downstairs, and we talked, and he said it was – he's a, a man in his uh, – I believe he's in his early 80s or late 70s. Mm-hmm. And he has breathe, breathing problems and health problems. And he said it was just like the flu. He said it was like having a flu with a cough. But so I guess it affects everybody differently. Okay. Uh, that's, 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 uh, that's wild. But to go back to your profession, where, what is in sight? What, what, like, do you know anything? Have you heard anything? Any I'm hearing potential? the same things you're hearing. No, I mean, nothing, you know, nothing's going to happen this year, I'm assuming. And then there's talk of, you know, it, uh, you know, this people are booking stuff for 2021, but who knows if that's going to happen? Who knows about second waves and uh, where they're going to go with this? Meaning, uh, you know, what kind of restrictions are going to be put on, you know? Yeah. I mean, right now, we, right now we, we've lost our right to assembly. And, uh, you know, being that people are getting sick, I understand it in a sense, but also like, uh, you know, my concern is the powers that be might not want to let stuff like this go where they have full control of people. And people can say what they want about that, but 
you know, when, when has the, uh, the powers that be ever let go of an edge? When have they ever voluntarily given up ground is my point. Well, what do you think the powers that be, what would they have to gain by, uh, by this, if anything? More control over people. But wouldn't it be like uh, in, in their best interest for people to be out there shopping and drinking and going out, I mean, going to the movies, maybe. going to the, the ball games and whatnot? I mean, yeah, I think so. But at the same time, what do I know about, uh, you know, <laughs> what do I know about what, what, what's going to suit who? I know that when people are under control, you know, it, it's, you know, you want people under control. But then again, maybe you want people out of control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who knows? What can I tell you? All I'm saying is, you know, as far as me dissecting this, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you yeah. exactly what's going. I can't tell you exactly what's going on because I'm not, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. I just know that there's a virus and people have to be careful of that. But I also know that, you know, I'm very concerned about our constitutional rights being stripped from us because as it stands right now, many of them have already been stripped. And the thing is, when this virus subsides, you yeah. know, my concern is that our constitutional rights return. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I understand. And you're in sick of it all. And sick of it all has always had some uh, political overtones to the to the messages and uh, stuff yeah. like that. It makes sense that you would you would be concerned about because you were concerned about that sort of stuff before there was a, any pandemic. Yeah, I mean, if you look at nine eleven, look at look at look at the ground the people lost constitutionally during nine eleven. You know what I mean? Because in the wake of that, so it's you know something i'm concerned about yeah no i agree people lost lost uh some freedoms uh, after 9-11 but wouldn't the argument be there hasn't been a a similar attack on american soil because of uh those changes and the patriot act uh reforms and whatnot uh i mean i guess that could be an argument you know what i mean sure why not but uh it's rough you know sir, 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 <laughs> you know surveillance on the people what do you want me to tell you surveillance on the people you know what i mean like yeah, yeah you can twist it you could spin it one way you could spin it the other way you know i tend to you know being being an adult once yeah. i became an adult and realized just to just to put it, things in a simple perspective once i realized that wars weren't two leaders of a country getting pissed off at each other and that it was planned in a boardroom and it was like a business transaction and they yeah. would in most in most instances they would in many instances they would create an event that would sell it to the public. Mm. So once that once you know that you know that things aren't always on the up and up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. the surprising thing with this is I'm surprised that that, that they're saying everyone stay in. There's the thing going on. I'm surprised they're not just playing it off and making up some. Oh yeah, the flu's bad this year. Everybody be careful. You know what I mean? Like there's, they could have very easily just not taken responsibility for this and let it run its course. So the fact that everything's shut down and they're so concerned now about loss of life, but they also start wars and kill people, it, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. You know what I mean? Since when? Since when? Since when? They, you know, they, they, the chemicals they put in foods, cancer-causing agents. Since when are they so concerned? about the welfare of everybody in a sense. And I'm not saying that that across the board. I'm just saying since when is, is, is you know, the powers that be so concerned with everybody, yeah. especially when it, co when it costs the money, where this is costing, this is shut down the world's economy. Yeah. When would they ever stop the world's economy for something like that, where the death rates 
are uh, anyone that dies is a tragedy. I'm not trying to say that, but you know, it's a little strange that they shut down the world and it's still shut down for the most part. It's a little strange. Don't, don't you agree? hundred percent. So yeah. So for me, it's like, uh, it's, you know, I'm questioning it's almost this. Unbelievable. It's almost it, well, yeah, it, it, I, I didn't think I'd see this. I didn't think this would be the way it goes. You know what I mean? I didn't think I'd see a situation like this ever. Yeah. And it became, uh, it became as everything does in America, political and it's, yeah, it's, I, I think I, that, yeah. A, Shutting down the economy like that is really strange. I don't see them doing that. I mean, they, they fight wars to prevent, uh, 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 you know, they, 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 this isn't something that they, they could easily have just manipulated the, the, the reports on something like this and kept things open, which necessarily wouldn't have been a good thing. I'm not saying that's a plan. I'm yeah. just saying it's the whole thing's strange. I keep repeating myself, but you get the idea. Yeah. And, and let me say this. Let me say this. The people of the world as a whole, we need to make sure that our rights don't get infringed in the wake of this. Now, that being said, people dying and getting sick is a tragedy. And I, my respect and condolences to anyone that got sick. I don't want anyone to think that I'm here trying to belittle, insult, or be disrespectful to anyone that was affected by this. I'm just talking about this happened. This is occurring Mm-hmm. In the wake, in the wake of this, we need to be careful what happens. Yeah, I think so. And uh, how do you see this? This is interesting. I've noticed. I just mentioned how the sides became split and very political. This side and that side, and the right side really seems to hate Dr. Fauci, and they praise, uh, you know, uh, Trump. But I- I've noticed, okay. like, Dr. Fauci is a household name in these modern times only because of Trump, because Trump paraded him around the stage and put him in our faces early on, unless you were a really, you know, astute watcher of, of things in particular, you wouldn't know who Fauci was until Trump's introduction to, you know, uh, now what do you, how could that be? Like, do you think that those two Fauci and Trump are on, on opposite sides of whatever is going on here, even though, the man was introduced by our president to us? I don't really know uh, enough about Fauci and his relationship to Trump to really go into that because it's not, you know, up until this happened, I spent eight months a year on the road of my whole life not watching the news. So, mm. you know, I, I'm not that, I can't really, I can't really, you know, comment too much on that because it's not really my yeah, thing. Some, you know what I mean? I've been thinking about that just because I noticed the right hates Fauci. And I see a lot of, you know, potentially good reasons, if they're true, to not trust this guy. But I've also noticed that Trump is the reason that Fauci has this mouthpiece, you know, has this, uh, you know, control right now and this influence over America. It's all strange, right? It's really strange. Sometimes that like one thing will appear to be one way, but then it's not. But maybe it is. I don't. They, they have, there's so much disinformation and so many confusing things oh, going yeah. on that they, everybody's they, upside down. And, that, and, that, and that's, you know, that's the nature of politics and how you, you know, get people to, 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 to sort of lose interest in it by making it so damn confusing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or become obsessed with it. I mean, they, they, yeah. uh, they throw in our face. They'll have two separate experts that say completely opposite uh things but both are by all you know standards experts 
it's it's an insane time. So let's get some, to something you do know about. Because one thing I do know, one thing I do know is Bill Gates isn't isn't a doctor, and and why he's involved in medicine, talking about uh, talking about uh, everyone needs to get like a uh, uh, you know a, a shot. Uh, we need a, a vaccine. Why is a guy like Bill Gates, who ran a computer company, have anything to do with the medical industry and like worldwide vaccinations? That is ridiculous. Get this guy out of here. Get yeah. lost. I don't. I don't Get really lost. understand why he's as, get lost. Uh, with you creepy shit. Yeah, because because that. What do you smell there? It doesn't smell good, does it? It doesn't pass but, the smell test. But at the same time, because you know, I like to be you know devil's advocate. Yeah, you uh, like to mess with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why, well, it just in, in general, like, you know, when you say yeah, something, yeah. my mind starts thinking, well, why is he like that? So let's say, you know, uh, why is he interested in world health? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. But can is it possible he legitimately has, has uh, interest in the health of, of, of people or is it does it have to be because he's already independently a multi-billionaire what does he have to gain from being interested in this yeah I can't, really, I can't really gained? say I can't say because I don't know the man but I'm just like, saying like what would be his like, motive when he seems to have achieved uh, achieved what so few could have ever done in their lives without being involved with this yeah, maybe you know, maybe he's bored and he's looking for something to do. But that's a weird thing to be looking to do. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a little. The whole thing's the whole thing is really, really weird. It is. It's, it's like okay, weird. so like yeah, I play bass in like a p- bunch of po- I played bass in a bunch of popular hardcore bands. Mm-hmm. So let me like let me like you know let me uh you know. But let let's me come say, up with you. Let me let me come up with the cure for your disease. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I'm qualified, honestly. I understand. I understand what you're saying. But I mean, I don't, say, I, don't have, I don't have those resources, but still, money and privilege should not uh, – it's just weird. It's just weird, man. Well, let's say you're playing in popular punk and hardcore bands throughout the years uh, enabled you to uh, have such a fortune of billions of dollars. and through, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, yeah and, right, Richie. Well, let's just say, and then through <laughs> that, other people would approach you. And they would tell you this because they know you you are the guy for finance and you could finance their interest and help them. And then once someone maybe Absolutely, Richmond, I understand Cusso, how it works. Yeah, it, it's possible. I'm just saying it's, it's some you know, I don't know for sure. He you know, you know what I never sh- thought of? What? Rich man Cuso. Rich man. Yeah. Wow. Rich man. Yeah. Rich man. Rich man Cuso. In Italian, it means great warrior, undestructible being. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that, I think yeah. that's fairly accurate. Watch what I don't know. You know that's what it means in Latin and Italian. Yeah, but, say, does it say anything about fire stoker and? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> but listen, let's go back to what you know. You all right, know, all right. You know you're, about you're, you're like all dead serious. I'm trying to make you laugh a little, buddy. Come on. There's no laughing in these times. The world is dying around us, and you want to make a joke? Oh, Mike. Okay, okay, okay. Come on, we got to figure. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming. You're coming in hard. All right. This is the number one show in Nigeria. Everybody knows it. They're looking. is it? Yeah. So listen. Wow. Listen. You do know about touring. You've been around the world. You've been to many, many places. And we were talking about freedom earlier. Is there anywhere more free for the people who haven't had the, the luxury or privilege or just, you know, the chance to leave America? Is there anywhere more free than America, in your opinion? I mean, there are other places that are very similar. I mean, you go to Europe, you can do what you want in most places, you know? Yeah. But I mean, people you- are, you know. 
Would you say they were more free? It's hard to say. I mean, nobody's telling you what to do. You can do what you want, just like you can you, in most places. You could up until recently in America for the most part. You know what I noticed so, in Europe that they could do a lot that you can't really do here? Is like, uh, like public drunkenness. Yeah, that seems to be big. Like, how many times have you had some like drunk German come up and bother you? A million, right? The millions everywhere, England. Uh, and the way they bother you, they don't like get like certain subtleties. Like, you know, that guy just like, oh, but and he gets in yeah. the face, and like, and then it, like you're like, dude, you got to back off a little. They just don't get it, right? Yeah, and it seems there's no, they have no fear of like law enforcement in those places at all. Kind of, yeah. It's like, kind of like they that. don't feel like they're going to catch a beating from cops. It, well, maybe yeah, the Russians. Or, 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 or from people, because I've had, I've had people get in my face like annoying as hell. And I'm like, yeah, hey, you got to back off. And they're kind of rude. And it's like, yeah. they just, they just, they just think there's no consequence to, not that I'm like a violent guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm the last guy to hit somebody unless I really have to. But my yeah, point but is, you were raised more, in America. They, they don't really grasp like the, hey, Personal like. Space. Yes, personal space. That's what yeah. I was looking for. It's a totally different. Uh, it's they're totally different standards of personal space over there than over here. And you being raised in America, you you don't know what you feel, but you know you feel something when that personal space is violated. Exactly. And and in, in their minds, they were they they weren't raised like that, so it's not a problem. But yeah, there'll be inches from your mouth, and they'll be talking, and it's an, also a bad way to uh, spread COVID nineteen if you think about it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, and they don't—they don't realize. They don't realize they'll do that with certain people. Then I've seen uh, Europeans do it with other people that really don't go for that. People that are not the type of people that really want somebody like climbing all over them, and yeah. right up into the point where uh, they get uh, uh, told or explained in whatever fashion not to do that. They don't get it, even though you could smell it in the air. It's like, how do you not understand yeah. that you're 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 like in this guy's face, and he's repeatedly asking you to get away? Yeah. And how do you not smell what's coming? Well, and I'm not like I'm not I'm not I'm I'm for I'm for walking away because I don't yeah. I'm, I'm gonna walk away from somebody. Yeah. But some people, you know, like I know they won't. They, you know, I've seen it happen. It's just crazy. You know? Yeah, there's there's something to be said for uh, for street smarts. And yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's like a and weird thing. But then again, don't. then again, they have like, and, and, and they've had the most violent wars too. Like how, how are they acting oblivious to this interaction in a way? It's weird. You know what I mean? Generational. It's really, it's weird though. It's weird, you know? But you love Europe. You love it. You got to. I, mean, oh, I love being over there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's, and, and let's talk about this. This is interesting. You, I mean, you weren't, you weren't uh, in sick of it all for uh, blood, sweat, no tears, right? No, I was not, but I did write a little bit of the material and help them record the album. Well, how and cool I played, to I, see the 31-year anniversary of that album was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know that till I looked on Instagram and saw that we posted something. I was like, oh, wow. Now, you, you kind of, because you were, you were like in the mix with the guys and you were big yeah, yeah, yeah. on all those guys and they'll probably never admit it. Well, we all, influence, we all influence each <laughs> other. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you go, you go if nobody could see our faces right now, so this sounds yeah. probably kind of crazy. If people could see our faces, they'd see that I'm smirking and I'm like moving my head trying to get away from the, the uh, subtle shots he might be trying to land. You know, like, no, I but I, what I really want to know is how was it at the time? Like that was because uh, you were you were kind of like oh, you weren't an outsider, but you were not in the band. So you were a guy watching the <clears> album that would become so influential come out. 31 years ago how was it taken at the time like live at the moment when that came out it was it was the kind of thing like these guys had their band and people were starting to like them and they you know and they were like 
uh, uh, Armand was drumming, so he was very experienced. But like Pete is a guitar player, wasn't that experienced? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, and they had like three days to record like however many songs are on that album, twenty some odd songs. Yeah. So and get sounds and everything. So I was like, look. I'm just going to come up and tune the guitar and bass so you guys can just, because you got, we were like, that concern was we got three days. I was like, you guys just set up and blast and I'll make sure the strings are changed so you don't got to stop. I said like, I'll change strings. I'll do all that stuff and help you guys out and I'll just hang out with you. So I just kind of went up there and like facilitated them getting the most out of those three days, you know? And then there weren't lyrics to the song Blood and Sweat. So I sat down and wrote uh, uh, most of the lyrics. Armand wrote a little bit of them as well. I just, they were like, and, you know, they were like, you know, oh, blah, blah, blah. I was like, look, just give me the paper. I'll come up with something. Yeah. Armand wrote a little. I was like, just give me the paper. I'll come up with something. And then, like, you know, they used a couple of my riffs from this old band Smegma I was in. That being said, like, I was in the mix because we were all friends. And I was like, uh, at the time, I had, you know, done a lot of stuff already. And, yeah. and for them, it was, like, not really a new experience, but they were still a little more green to the, to the yeah. you know, the, the recording aspect of things. You had albums under your belt by this time yeah 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 but it was a fun it was a fun it was a fun thing we joked around a lot we had a good time and how was it perceived but like by the scene people loved it it's a good you know people liked the album a lot i think back then was hardcore was this like too did it get a little too heavy for a lot of the traditional hardcore people around back then um metal metal had already come into hardcore in like 87 i'd say it started coming in even 85 it started coming in but um so like, yeah, you know, people look like people didn't really know what to make of a band like Sick of It All. They're like, you know, they're like a hardcore band and they sound like aggressive, but like there's some metal riffs and stuff. It was, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's the evolution of things. You know what I mean? Then again, you yeah. look at like Agnostic Front, you look at Agnostic Front Calls for Alarm and that sounds like metal. So it kind of all worked together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Calls for Alarm. Definitely. That's when, you know, to me, the album started changing to stuff I personally. Yeah. And then like even like 85, like S.O.D. put out that Speak English or Die record. So the whole thing was kind of like, you know, it was like a melting. But 85 is where the real crossover thing started happening in a sense where it became like, you know, involved. But then it kind of backed off and came back in like 87, 88. It's, you know, it was like a stages kind of. In 85, if you were involved in the crossover. What were you kind of looked down upon from the old scenesters or what would it be? Not, not really, but there would no. be instances where like metal kids would get beat up at shows, which I always thought sucked. You know what I mean? Cause I like metal and I was, yeah, I was before I was into hardcore, I was into rock and metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it's kind of so like, we did give like the earliest credit for the crossover. Uh, Danny Loker. Oh, very cool. Danny Loker, hundred percent. Infamous legendary you know? bass player. You know, I was involved in that. I played in that NYC Mayhem band, and that was like a kind of like a crossover band. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was like metal and, and hardcore mix. That was just like crazy, fast music. You know what I mean? Just real chaotic and stuff. But yeah. Danny is basically the guy that was like the, the pivotal guy in that. He was a guy from the metal scene that loved hardcore. You know what I mean? He was from the hardcore scene too. He was, he was you know, he was both. You know what I mean? And everybody liked him and respected him. He's a good dude. Like, you ask any old school cats, you know, Danny Lokers, he's down. You know what I mean? That's my boy. And he was from your neighborhood, right? Yeah, he's the guy that got me started. Everybody knows that story. He's yeah. the guy that, like, brought a bass to my house when I was, like, 10 years old. He went to school with my brother, and, you know, it kind of just popped off from there, you know? Yeah. And he got into the mix with, uh, you know, a lot of the thrash, early thrash stuff, Anthrax. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he played in Anthrax originally, and he was, he was the original bass player for Anthrax. My brother was supposed to be the bass player for Anthrax. 
uh, really? in like 1980, like I'd say 80 when they, before they were even a band, they tried to get my brother. They, he brought a bass to my house and Danny was like, I want to play guitar in this band. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to teach my brother bass, but I kind of picked it up. And, uh, now what's you know, your relationship with Anthrax? Uh, the, 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 Are they from your neighborhood? I, I, yeah, I met them all from Danny because Danny went to school with my brother. So when I was like 10, 11 years old, Danny would come over to my house and, you know, teach my brother bass and he'd give me like records and tapes and stuff and seven inches. And he got me into like the new wave of British heavy metal. And, uh, and like, you know, like, and from there, like, like a little bit after that, like started getting into the punk and hardcore. So yeah. Danny was the guy, he turned me on to Motorhead first. I already liked Sabbath. I already knew who Motorhead was, but he's like, I was already into Sabbath, Aerosmith. He brought over like a Motorhead record. You know what I mean? He brought over like yeah. Judas Priest, like said, Wings of Destiny. And I was like, wow, this is like blues metal rock. Like I was into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and then like, you know, he brought me over like, like, like the first time I made now and stuff like that. And I was digging it. You know what I mean? Motorhead. And then from there, it quickly turned into like, you know, like we, like, like uh, tape trading and, and like punk and hardcore. You know what I mean? Mm. I didn't come from like the, oh, I like the Clash. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I like the Ramones. Like, I didn't really come from that. I came more from rock and Sabbath, Black Sabbath into, you know, Motorhead, Judas Priest. And then hardcore came in right off the new wave of British heavy metal. You know what I mean? But you did like the Ramones, of course, right? I did like the Ramones, but it wasn't like, well, here's the thing. The Ramones, like, you know, I probably got exposed to the Ramones in 80 or 81, right around the same time I was getting exposed to Motorhead and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, sure. Now listen to this. Are... How important are the Ramones, though, to Queens and to very? I, I think the I think the Ramones are the original, in a sense, like hard, not really hardcore band, but they're like the original. They're the band that everything came from. I think mm. that they're like the the punk band that, if you listen to early Ramones, the way they play, it's like a blueprint for hardcore. And then they influence bands like the Bad Brains. So yeah, yeah the Ramones is like the pre prototype. It's like the amoeba that eventually turned into the you know, like the sea creature, you know what I mean? And, and, well, person, I gotta say when I, when I was really young, like when I was like 11 years old, yeah. I liked shit to be heavy and mean. I liked shit. I didn't care about lyrics because my mind wasn't developed enough to really care about that. I just yeah. wanted to get that, 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 that rush. I wanted to feel that adrenaline. I wanted to feel that chemical release from my brain. So I'd listen to motorhead and that chemical would release. You know what I mean? Yes. Motorhead it was release, that, it was, release excitotoxins. Yes. Yes. The excitotoxins is all I cared about when I was 10, 11, 12, uh, 13. As I started to get uh, into hardcore and punk, I started to like, I, was, I looked like, you know something? This has a feel to it. Yes. That, that, that it has a, it's not just excitotoxins. It had a feel to it that I was like, this feels like m- more like naturally occurring it doesn't feel as planned out mm. you understand what i mean yeah it had like sure. a, had it just kind of spoke to me a little more and i and like lyrically once i started reading lyrics i was like wow these guys are saying something and i always felt like the people uh like when i eventually got, went to shows the people i met were just real people when i was dealing with like uh guys in the metal scene as like a 10 year old 11 year old kid they looked like they had an attitude they were like yeah hey, fucking kid get out of here it's like fuck this shit you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's like it, it wasn't like the hardcore scene where like me and you were friends what's up richie what do you do hold on one second give me, give me 10 seconds yeah craig is gone for 10 seconds we'll give him 10 seconds then we'll hang up on him 
Yeah, I'm back. Sorry about that. Oh, okay, you're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to my, like, I started going to hardcore shows, and it was like dudes that might, like this guy, Big Charlie Hankins. He was the the the, the, the bouncer at Seavey's. Big, big football player guy. But big Charlie. Rock. Big Charlie. He's passed away now. God bless you, Big Charlie. The rest in peace. Anyway, he, he would come to lunch with Danny Lilker, my brother, and he was the star of the, foot, the high school football team. So you got Danny Lilker, this metal guy, seven feet tall with long hair, right? Yeah. You got Charlie, this big black athlete, and then you got my brother. So it's like three guys that look like they shouldn't have anything to do with each other, and they were all friends, and it was music, like hardcore, that brought them together. You understand beautiful, what I mean? Beautiful thing. And, and, and you know, like, so you, it's just it's – just, it, it was more authentic. Like I go to shows and people were my friend. People didn't judge me. They look like, oh, this kid can play and he can jump around. Yeah. He jumps around, he's into it. But in the metal scene, they'd be like, yeah, kid, get out of here. You know what I mean? When I'm playing, yeah. I'm 10 years old, jamming. You got metal guys giving you an attitude. Not that the Anthrax guys ever gave me an attitude. They were nothing but nice to me. The guitar player of Anthrax, that uh, guy Scott, his younger brother Jason, was like one of my best friends growing up. So those guys were always cool. Uh, you know, even though like there's a weird thing in hardcore, people say, "Oh, they made a shirt." No, they didn't. These guys liked it. They liked it. That's all it was. Those guys were into it. You know what I mean? The first one of the first times they oh, ever heard about the symbol, rock. the New York hardcore. Symbol. Yeah, that's all. That's all. So there's no that's truth all. to them trying to copyright that symbol. Listen, let me let me explain to you how that works. Yeah, they had ahead. a they had, they had a they made a shirt with the New York hardcore symbol. I understand on it. that. And and they copyrighted that shirt design like any band does when they put out a shirt. You understand what I mean? You own that shirt design. So it was that shirt. That Is that normal own. procedure to copyright a shirt design though? Uh, well, you it's an intellectual property. You own it. Uh, yeah, like I could see like your logo on there would be already copywritten, but like an addition to the shirt, like let's say you put a truck on there. I, you, know you, you, know, you know something, you know something, maybe the term copyright isn't right. I can't exactly say, yeah. but my understanding of it is they had a shirt with New York hardcore on it. They like sort of owned that shirt design. That, that's the most gotcha, I know. Gotcha. But, I mean, and, you know, then, that, uh, the and then I heard I that they sent uh, the police to to Roger's house when Roger's okay. Man, I made <laughs> so so I'll say that one of the first times I heard like nasty, dirty punk was like 1980 or something, or like 81 maybe. And I was at Scott's house, Scott Ian's house, hanging out with his brother, and I pulled out the first exploited record. I was like, "Put this on, I want to hear it." And he put it on, and I was like, "Man, that's nasty." And I was like, they can't really play at all, can they? He's like, no, nah, but it's pretty cool. I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's good stuff. Yeah. And that was like one of the first times I was like probably 10 or 11 years old. That was one of the first times I heard like, you know, like rough punk rock, you know? Now, as music, do you, do you like, you know, I guess Anthrax would be in the thrash category. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like Anthrax or not really? Do you not like thrash? Uh, you know, at the time, like when they, when they were, I go to their rehearsals and sit in on their rehearsals. And I, I thought they were really good when I'd watch them rehearse because they had sharp guitar playing and it was like heavy and full, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, looking back, like that first album, I mean, I guess there's some stuff that's okay, but it's not really my, my cup of tea. At, at, you know, shortly after that, I kind of look like, ah, hey, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but all the thrash went, bands, I, I never liked as, the Anthrax for some reason. But, but listen, as learning, as, as learning what it is to be a musician, going and watching those guys rehearse and stuff and sitting in on their rehearsals like three nights a week for like very, very a year cool. or two, it was very good for me to learn. I learned how a band works. I learned about equipment. I learned about all kinds of things related to doing gigs, uh, interacting, writing songs. I would sit there. I was like a fly on the wall. So I got to like learn a tremendous amount from seeing how a young band operated. You know what I mean? Now, if your brother got that gig to be the bass player, he'd be a multimillionaire today. 
but he wouldn't have still been the bass player. This is like 1980. Like, listen, in 1980, they were, they played like a church battle of the bands and did all covers. It was are like they multi-millionaires? Oh, I was kind of kidding. Are they like, you'd have to ask them. Huh, I don't know. I mean, they did have, they did have some like big, uh, big records. I'm sure there was some money made. Yeah, for yeah, of course they made some nice money. I just saw actually a thing that uh, Scott Ian did with Danny. Dude, I got to see like Metallica rehearse like in when they first before the first album came out because they were in the music building there. So it's like I got to see some pretty cool stuff. You know what I mean? Now seeing Metallica <sighs> rehearse was that? Did you feel it was anything special at that moment? Yeah, I thought they were great. I was like, this man is awesome. Yeah, because they they, they would like they would like rehearse with the door shut. Sometimes the door would be open. I wouldn't like go in like and bother them, but I'd like check it out. You know what I mean? Smoke yeah. a joint with Cliff in the hallway later. You know what I mean? When I'm like yeah. 11, 12, or however Eight. old I was. You know what I mean? But like it yes. was cool, and I thought like, wow, these guys these guys are like hard sounding. You know what I mean? Metallica is an incredible band. I mean, I'm not ever listen. I like I like I like that that Metallica style. The first record, the second ride. I love Ride the Lightning. I love I love a lot of their stuff. Master you know Puppets, uh, incredible. Yeah, it's great. It's a great. It's a great records, man. Those yeah. records are. You want to talk about fucking excitotoxins? My God. Yeah, and even up to now, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's they. You know, I mean, how many things? You know, you're not going to put out Kill 'Em All 20 times in a row. Listen, but, but uh, like bottom line, so you can't. You, you, you the bottom line. Eh, you know, you can't really talk shit. You got to give them no. their props. You know and I mean? like how they do their business and all of that. And that's that's a, a real deal band. And to to put out, to me, those four first records in a row like that. Crazy. Oh, nobody could really. I mean, they, I remember what, bands, but. when they played, they played a show. Uh, I think it was the Rio Theater in Long Island. Mm -hmm. And it was after Kill 'Em All came out and before Ride the Lightning was recorded. And I went to their sound check because they used all of Anthrax's equipment. So this is probably 83, right? Yeah. So I went to this. I was a little older at that point. I was probably 13 or probably 13 maybe. Or so, like, it was 13 maybe going on 14. Just a bit. Anyway. Yeah, so I went to the I went to the sound check because, you know, they used Danny's bass equipment and all that and all the Anthrax stuff. So I went to the rehearsal and uh, – I mean the uh, the sound check, and they 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 did fight fire with fire, and it was the first time I heard it. Hard Blair, song. dude, blaring loud in a theater, blasting loud sound check, sharp guitars in your face. I was standing there like with like you know the roadie, the road crews, and like the, like Danny Lilker and like Scott, and and you know my my brother. We were like just like watching the sound checks. My brother was an Anthrax roadie, so he knew those guys from the gigs they would do together. They put that song. And I could not believe it. My, it was like the old like commercial, like Bose Radio or whatever, and the guy's hands yeah. blown back. I was like, "What are you fucking kidding me?" I go, "That's like the hardest shit." I was like, "What song is that?" And uh, later on, like I was talking to Scott and James about, I go, "What song was that?" He's like, "Oh, it's a new one on the new record." I was like, "Dude, that song is just like, a, like I said, so that's so hard. fast, yeah. so fast and crazy." And he was like, oh, thanks. Thanks, kid. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. like, just, you know, I didn't really know him, but I knew him. Like, he'd be like, hey, like, you know, knew my face from meeting me twice. You know what I mean? Three times. So cool. You they, got to see that. Though. That's awesome, bro. They were staying at this guy CJ's house, who's, uh, who was a friend of mine. I was in this, like, little band with this guy named Bill. And uh, so they needed a place to stay, to shower and stuff when they were staying at the music building in Jamaica, Queens. So yeah. for a couple, for like a month or two, they stayed at CJ's house. So, like, you know, like go to CJ's house and like hang out for like a half hour and like, you know, drink lemonade and leave and be like, Oh, that band is cool, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Metallica. That's, that's to me, the most important band ever is black Sabbath to me. Yeah. To me too. My favorite. 
But I mean, Metallica is up there. Like, yeah, yeah, Metallica. Sabbath is just like Sabbath know. is the beginning. To me, it's the beginning of punk, metal, hardcore, everything, uh, and every subgenre of heavy music that yep. exists. Nineteen seventy-six. I first heard Sabbath. You know what I mean? And yeah. I was like a little kid. I was like six years old or whatever. And to me, it was like, wow. I, I, there's a whole story behind that. I don't think I don't need to get into it. I guess, but you know, it's yeah. fucking Sabbath. I just told it on that other thing I did before. You know. No, they're so important. They're so good, and even like they survived the change, like the the vo- you know change in a vocalist here and there. And <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, they and they switched it up when they got Dio. They completely flipped the script, and I thought it was great. You know what I was just listening to yesterday was the song "Born Again" with that oh, other yeah, you know, singing. Uh, uh, what's his name? Ian Gillen. That guy's got wow. pipes, man. Gee, the notes he hits in that songs or like that he, guy. Yeah, it's insane. That oh guy can God. sing like. Fucking crazy! Yeah, so it's un- yeah. unbelievable. Black that Sabbath guy was. Th- th- this is a, g- a great question. Who's the most important member of Black Sabbath? Geezer Butler. Wow! As a bass player, you're, uh, you're you're Geezer Butler. He he writes most of the songs. He writes almost all. He wrote all of the lyrics, and he was like the organizer of the band. He he, he does he write uh, as many songs as Tony? Uh, I don't uh, musically. I don't know, but he writes the lyrics, and he's like he's like an integral organizer. My favorite bass player, Gizabola. and he is uh, he is really important. I'm not going to argue. Oh but. yeah, he's a bass player. You you know you look like oh he plays bass like that whole thing like oh it's the bass player. People don't understand like what the in hardcore the bass is the main instrument. I mean people might whoa, not whoa, know whoa, that, whoa, but whoa, 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 how whoa. do you? Yeah, you heard me. You heard me. Jesus, <laughs> troublemaker, this guy. <laughs> Evan's getting all hyped up in the background. That's it. That's it. We'll get the champ on here. His, jump his hair, on here. hair from his shoulders is standing up. We'll jump on you while the Guitar pandemic's happening. Guitar is the most important. Jump yeah. on you when the pandemic's happening. So by the time it's over, you don't remember to get revenge on us. There, there you go. <laughs> now, you might, I mean, you know, Geezer is very, very important. I, I, say, yeah. I say the combination of Geezer and Tony is... It's is, great. Is, is, but, you know, you know, part of the reason Geezer's early playing is so so great in the way it is is because but it's also because that's true it's also because of the room that he was uh he was afforded by bill ward's crazy style of unique style of playing yeah bill ward was like there was so much room and space he was so behind the beat and so like unique in the way he played and awkward and that stops it gave and, yeah no. yeah there was so much room for the bass to move you know what i mean as yep. a bass player if you have a drummer that plays like hyperactive and pushes forward all the time and doesn't like doesn't savor the pause and the spaces it's mm. really hard to do a lot of the things you think of in your head because they translate as too busy you know what i mean but when you have yeah. a guy like a guy like that that's really pulling back and dragging it out you can do all of those little runs and things you hear in your head because you have a, a drummer that's way back but in hardcore most drummers are pushing forward because that's a lot of the the charm and energy of the music is that aggressive, you know, urgency. So it's like a weird thing. You know what I mean? You want that, but also sometimes you want to be able to let it bleed a little bit. It's a strange thing. Yeah, no, he's incredible. He's, he's so good. That's one of the, one of the, uh, to me, that's the band responsible. Like I even said yesterday, I said to somebody, the saddest day will be the day Ozzy dies. That would be a sad. That's 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 pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. that will be that will be sad. 
so influential. And I was listening to I was listening to the song just all Black Sabbath yesterday, the song Black Sabbath itself. And I remember thinking Ozzy thought that they sounded like the Beatles. He wanted to be like the Beatles. How <laughs> crazy like, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck does this have to do with the Beatles? And I'm like listening to Black Sabbath and I'm like, how did he even think this it was anything? Yeah, it sounds like you're getting buried alive. Yeah. So good. Now, that song bit what is it, bit of finger? Yeah, yeah, a bit, a bit of finger. Yo, this song goes on for like 13 minutes, and the it's bass crazy. lines during that song are just insane, man. He's yeah. just going wild. He's just scuba yeah. diving and just bouncing. He's just having fun. They're yeah. like high on acid, just going crazy. Yeah, what a band. What a band. I tell you, the, the first time I heard Sabbath, it was like 76, and my, my brother was hanging out uh, with this guy that lived on the corner for me, Lyman. And Lyman was like the, 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 the local like kind of crazy guy, criminal, getting into fights all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Lyman was like my boy, but he was like a, he was like a maniac. Lyman. You know what I mean? Lyman, Lyman, Lyman. Yeah. So, so Lyman was a local maniac, and he was like, you know, my mother and Lyman's mother were like best friends, and you know, that was like my boy. But I was a little kid, so uh, Lyman and my brother, they it was raining out, like thunderstorming. So we're in Lyman's room, and they're like, you know, yeah, kid, blah blah blah. You, you're, you know, so they pull out a needle. And little did I know, they had it filled with water. So Lyman's pretending to shoot up heroin, right? Wow. And I'm six years old. <laughs> and my, bro- my, my brother's pretending to shoot up heroin, right? Jeez, and they're like, and they're, very pretend- fun. and they're pretending like they're nodding out. And I'm like scared. And like, I start crying. Like, what are you doing? And so they're like, they grab <laughs> me. Like, you know, like my brother grabs me. And Lyman like starts poking me with the needle a little bit. And I'm like freaking out and crying, right? And they're like, they're like, we're going to stick you with a needle. You're going to do, do heroin too. And I'm like, ah. Meanwhile, it's just a needle with water in it. Like you probably pulled it out of his mother's medicine chest. You know what I mean? She was probably injecting the cat with it for the medicine. But uh, <clears throat> so they go, okay, you don't, you, they go, we won't inject you with this if, if you listen to this record, right? Oh, and I'm like, sure. yeah, okay, okay. So they put on the song Black Sabbath. They shut the lights out and locked me in the bedroom. So it was, it was storming out and raining. Just like in the song. So you didn't and the song was on and the lights were out. And I was just crying in the room. It was like torture on a young kid. Yeah. So when I, when it, by the time the song's over or whatever, I'm like crying and blah, blah, blah. So a week later, I knock on Lyman's door and I'm like, yo, I'm going to listen to it again. I'm not going to cry this time. Put, put it on. So, and that's how I got into the Sabbath. Wow. You know, that could have worked out reverse for you. Yeah, it could have scared me off it. Yeah, you'd be like, I hate that kind of music. But I kind of had to sh- had to kind of prove like okay I'll, I'll do it you know what I mean now if you saw some older kids doing that to a younger six year old kid nowadays I mean <laughs> dude if they were sticking a needle in some kid's arm it's like what do you do you and making call locking the kid in the room with the lights off yeah and, yeah like, it's child abuse man <laughs> it's oh, child man. abuse are you kidding that so but that's like sick. the early that's like, it's like the mid 70s you know what i mean it's like probably, probably yeah. 75 or 76 something like that I don't damn know. you old son 70 yeah you know i was born in the 60s man so what were the first doo-wop band you heard then uh, uh I, I i don't know i was in a doo-wop band with stigma and willie shepler oh nice yeah we, we, we would do we would do covers on the corner in pittsburgh yo the last uh tour the, we, we, we were called the iron city boys oh that's good for a pittsburgh name yeah yeah the last tour we did, had they had they were doing doo ops every night. Stigma and uh, Siv and Joe and everybody. Uh, they, they do pretty, under the under the boardwalk. Yeah, of course. And and they yeah, sound pretty I, good sometimes. You know, they sound, I would just dance. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I, my sure. baritone is real low, but yeah, but, uh, Iron City Boys did under the boardwalk. Nice. That that's good. Now, 
Now, we talked about the 31-year anniversary. Big deal for the guys. Such an iconic record. And mine was, wow, there's a lot of great sick of it all records. But I really, like, went, for me, was, uh, I loved Scratch the Surface. Like, that was. Okay. Yeah, that was, like, really, you know. But I loved it. That was the big breakout record, but hardcore kind of went. Yeah. And then it does like it's like you know, uh, blood, sweat, no tears was dope. The songs were dope. It just you know it had the the production of the the other stuff at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the songwriting yeah. switched up. I started writing songs on that record. We all wrote together, so it kind of changed the direction a little bit. It kind of added some stuff to it because we actually like it wasn't just Pete writing songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all of a sudden, it sounded like oh, sick of it all has the. Uh, you know the opportunity to get like the production of some of these bigger metal bands and stuff sounded like yeah. something in the budget the production was way better and bigger and the bass was like just booming so that was another another great record but thank you you're welcome you're welcome but you if you go back and you look at it all all of this time did you ever foresee like the, what did you think there would ever be a reason to stop touring outside of we just don't want to tour anymore? No, I never thought that it would be shut down. Isn't Absolutely that, not. Isn't that so crazy to think? It is so crazy. Like you would just assume like so many, like this stops when I want it to stop basically. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I chose an alternate lifestyle. Yeah. I chose an alternate career path. I didn't even choose it. I just did what I wanted to do because I was a lazy kid that wanted to do what he wanted to do. You understand? I was lazy yeah, and yeah. crazy. I was lazy and crazy, however you want to put it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like I was like, I'm this guy who's great. Look at what I'm going to do. Like if you're into hardcore, you think, oh, he was in these bands. I just wanted to play music and I didn't want to sit in a, in a nine to five job. I didn't like school. I didn't like people telling me what to do. I just played hardcore because I loved it. I was enjoying day yeah. after day. Yeah. You know, I was no, there was no grand plan and now it's, it's done. And the thing is like, like we were talking about earlier, where does it go from here? Okay, uh, in New York State, all this, first of all, it was all incentivized. They give hospitals money to list people as having it that maybe don't have it. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine's aunt died of cancer, but they listed her as a COVID death. Is you it understand? because she did have the virus at the time of death? She did not have the virus at the time no. of death, but they, they listed that she did. Now that's you know that's that's a big that's very risky. Now when I say she, when I say when I say she didn't have it, what I'm saying is she wasn't sick outside of the fact that she had already been in the hospital for cancer. Yeah, no, I understand totally. What you're she was dying. She was dying of cancer, and she died of cancer. I just think that we have to be careful because she died of cancer for sure. But if she was infected and did have the virus then they could get away with marking viruses cause of death and they well here but yes, if, they and said, he, if they just said virus without having it now that's lawsuits <clears throat> and insurance companies have uh things that they could do and listen how they maneuver when they list that i'm not privy to that information all i'm saying is the woman died of cancer yeah, 100%. and and you know, and 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 you know, there are many uh, many uh, things being said now. But I'm not a doctor, and I don't know these people personally. That mm-hmm. much of the, you know, it's listed as a cause of death when it's not a cause of death. Quite often, yes, that's it's true. Ju- it's just you know, it's like, and what happens is the hospitals get X amount of dollars 
for, for the death. They, they get tens they of thousands of dollars. So a good way, a good way to get this thing to become a panic is to, you know, incentivize it. And then it becomes a bigger, uh, yeah. a, a bigger, uh, problem on a, on a, on a number scale is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? 100%. And listen, I said, and, and then like, you know, and then where does it go from here? Like, you know what I mean? Like just everything we said earlier and all this being said, I don't want somebody to be listening to this and say, oh, that guy, I'm not saying it doesn't Fuck exist. Damn, who cares what people I don't know. No, my what point you is want to trying, say. My point is I don't want to have anyone feel disrespected that may have lost a loved one. God, God bless you. People die I don't want to see happens. him get hurt. You know, I, I got but you, like, but. there are, you know, like the numbers of people dying from the flu. There's a lot of other things that kill people and the yes. world doesn't get shut down for it. The world is shut down for this. They shut down the world because it was part of a plan to shut down the world. It wasn't because a virus came out. You understand that? And I'm no. going to say that flat. I'm going to say that flat out. That's what I believe because I know that they're not crushing the world's economy unless they plan to. They would just come up with a, 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 a version of the situation where things could, you know, where they could continue to make their money and the economy doesn't get hurt. They're only stopping the economy and killing the economy if they want to stop and kill the economy. Yes. Well, I don't think the economy is getting killed. I think a portion of the economy is getting killed. Anyone that makes money basically on their own. Not in within with not within the system completely. If you have, to, in other words, you have to be a system person now to make money. Yeah, if you if you see the con consolidation of wealth over the last few months, it's incredible. But yes, it this is really hurting everybody. As far as the listing of the deaths, I I don't know for sure if there are people that did not have. COVID-19 at all and were listed as that. Was that I don't know. That I don't know. How they maneuver, I don't know. But I know there's some maneuvering going on. But I, there also is a, a reasonable explanation why hospitals would get money if that is the cause of death is because the virus, if it is real, it's in the early stage and there needs to be uh, extra interest about the virus so there could be studies. So supposedly hospitals are given extra money to people that died from it so they can do things uh, extra after the deceased have gone that they normally wouldn't do with someone who, who died. To, 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 to further the yeah. knowledge and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. I, I'd be very careful with them. I'm a conspiracy well, theory my expert. Thing, Everybody knows that. So I, you, you are an expert. Here's my thing, like conspiracy theories, blah, 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 however you want to word that. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you, like, it's not like I'm sitting here telling you this is this because I'm not privy to whatever might be going on as yeah. far as fudging, potential fudging of anything. Yeah. You, you're, you're, I just, very, you're being very fair and reasonable about it. You're not, yes, there is yes. a portion of society that is like, you know, Tom Hanks is definitely a pedophile and, uh, he should be why, arrested. Why, is Tom Hanks? I mean, I mean, I, what does that come from? There's a, a conspiracy. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein is a pedophile. Yes. Yes. But is Tom Hanks? A, and I only say that because I the mean, news you know told me funny. that. So who? So how do I really know? The news told me that. But yeah, I'll go with that one, based on you know people that have come forth and said that, just to respect another human and their right to say this happened to me, yeah. and 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 get saying, and get and get you know get respected you know get get get. Get yeah, recognized as, as, a, as a worthwhile individual is my point. There are people out there that say and mention 
elements of different conspiracy theories, and they say it with such convention, conv- uh, like conviction and nonchalantness that it's almost insulting. Oh yeah, everybody knows that X Y Z, and it's like, wait, wait, wait what? Come yeah, on, slow a, down. You know, let's get some evidence here. Let's be reasonable. You know, oh, and oh that, yeah, Richie. That's what I like. That's what. I <laughs> yeah, like, you know. yeah, I hear you, Richie. But you didn't hear anything about the Tom Hanks stuff and all. Did you hear no. anything about this Wayfair? I just know that they on? said they said that Tom Hanks had COVID a few months ago. Yeah, he. I, I guess him and the wife have COVID, but they're okay now. But when okay, listen, good. when they said that, the same people that believe he's a pedophile thought that he was really under house arrest. And for for. Uh, but why are they saying he's a pedophile? I mean, what what what? Who there did is, he allegedly molest? Where are the witnesses? I don't know anything well, about this. I mean, I've never heard anything about this. <laughs> I know he's a great. I know he's a great actor. I, it, I really like his acting. It's not even that. It's it's basically he's. I mean, there's you know the Hollywood elite are eating babies and and they have a huge human trafficking ring. They're eating like they're eating like baby cows. Yeah. No, that well, not according to these people. These these conspiracies. If you go on Tom Hanks Instagram, okay. And you go back because he had to shut his comments off. If you go back to like pictures that still have comments on him, you he's barraged all day of, of people calling really? him pedophile, baby killer, disgusting pig, blah blah. It's it's really it's crazy what's going on right now in America. Did you hear anything about the Wayfair stuff? I don't know what that is. The Wayfair is like it's almost like a, a place where you go to buy stuff. A live interview. And uh, people are saying that they got caught uh, trafficking children on Wayfair. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know what Wayfair is. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't know anything about that. Okay, yeah, I guess you, you, you know, I thought you were a little more into the conspiracy world, and I guess you. Ah, uh, listen, I mean, you listen. Cons- conspiracy theory is a term that was invented by the C and propagated by the CIA initially, mm-hmm. and it's to make anyone that calls. Uh, that calls corruption into the official narrative. Anyone that calls, you know, that's, that 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 tries to question an official narrative. So it's it's a way to make people into tinfoil hat people. That being said, there are people that come up with stuff that's ridiculous. So it kind of you know, there's a whole variety of stuff that goes on. You know what I mean? Yes, that's why I like to point out the the ridiculous stuff because, so it doesn't overshadow the authentic situations that are are really harming you the country in the world at the moment yeah yeah i understand i understand see people might not know this but you and i were, were we're actually very good friends people probably do know that and you and i have these discussions on our own and they get very heated yes and they get very heated and they're a combination of of like you know trying to mess with each other and like pull each other's strings and actual conversations so right now you were both being very pedestrian and how pulls this thing right now we're being very pedestrian and how we're yeah, going yeah. but yo pe- people this guy if you guys if this wasn't being recorded this guy would be would be baiting me shoving me in this direction now this guy would be hitting me from 30 different angles right now no, and i gotta I say Craig is I gotta, very honest and very gotta say i love it though i love it yeah, you come he, in hard you know something you could have been one of the great uh in the world of hardcore you could have been one of the great hardcore manipulators of all time up there with guys like roger and uh, Armand. Well, thank but you very I gotta, much. Thank you but very but much. I got to say this. This is I was talking to Joe about this the other day. <laughs> you have you have the dark soul to be one of these guys, but you enjoy your work too much. So by the smile on your face and the tone of your voice, 
you tip people off that you're enjoying it so much that they almost don't forget that they're in a little back and forth contest of, of manipulation. Do you understand what I mean? It's just a little advice to your friend. You could be an all time great. Yeah. Just the go, thing is that comes in handy so because when I show that all the time, they never know if what I'm saying is real or not. You know what I mean? And sometimes well, I'm I, telling them the complete truth with that same smirk and they're going, no, no, no. Now that you put it that way. Yeah. It, yeah. And I, agree. I, I like that. I like when they, they you got your own style. I agree. I agree. Okay. I agree. I agree. I agree. You get, you know, you got me. Now you got listen, me. <laughs> listen, everybody knows Craig. He's, he's a well-respected figure in the hardcore scene for decades. And a lot of people that understand the pizza club, they don't know why we threw you out. You didn't throw me out. I quit. Yeah, it didn't go down like that. But I just wanted I to tell you that yesterday I went. Nobody threw me out. I quit. Uh, it's it's called uh, revisionism. What Nobody threw me out. I quit. But yesterday, listen, I went to Nino Caniglio's home in Brooklyn. Okay. Oh, this guy is he has one pizza maker of the year and multiple occasions at the pizza convention in Las Vegas. Is he the guy that was just on uh, Billions, the show Billions? I don't know. No, 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 no. Nino's the other guy. I know who you're talking about Nino. Yeah, yeah. The shorter guy. Williamsburg pizza guy. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Involved yes, with, yes. Uh, I think it's called. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw him when Chopped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was on Chopped. Yeah. So a hardcore guy. He, yeah, he's a hardcore dude, and he's a world. Uh, I don't, I don't know him personally, but I know of him, and I don't think I met him, but maybe I have. He's a world-renowned um, pizza maker. I kind, I kind of know him through you, even if we haven't met before. And what he's doing right now is making pizzas in his. So when chopped, I know he's ties top top shelf guy. But he's making pizzas in his <clears throat> house. Okay. So I want to go there with you, sit in his front yard in Brooklyn. He's got a pizza oven inside. He's got everything. He makes the dough, the cheese. You want to have a sit-down. You want to have a sit-down and make peace? This guy will come out, even though you're not part of the club anymore. The other guys will look down on me for doing this. But I want Oh, to wait. wait for- you got to go there? You, you almost had me. You're good. You're good, kid. You're good. <laughs> no, but listen, we got to go there. I went there. It was, his pizza was so good, bro. It was. So- I can imagine. So good. I saw him win shop. The guy, like, he, and he takes chances, too. He gets... He'll he'll do stuff that's unorthodox. Yeah, he 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 knows the traditional pie. He knows how to make it hundred percent, and he knows how to do his own thing. But his backyard a is a garden. world class pizza world world class pizza man. His backyard is arugula, basil, parsley, oh. oregano. He has this uh, South American oregano. The leaves are bigger than my head. What? When are we doing it? Anytime, but you just got to give him a heads up. But I went there yesterday, and I was like, could this be as good as when I go to his spot? Even better, bro. It's so wow. And well, what's he cooking it in? What what kind of oven? He's got an oven outside, a big pizza oven outside. And he's got cola cola wood, cola wood. Uh, wood. Oh yeah, yeah I love cola. I love wood, dude. I'm so in. I'm I'm very. I'm saying wood because that. I see the piles of wood all over the place. So that's what I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I remember just a couple weeks ago you invited me to meet you for pizza because you felt bad about the fact that you you know you, you guys all stabbed me in the back. But I'm yeah. I'm not holding a grudge. And you spit my hold- face and you didn't come. I'm o- I'm o- I'm only holding a grudge in the in the pizza world, but in the in the real world, I, you're my buddy and I love you. Listen, yeah. let me explain. So people that don't understand, we had a little pizza club and it was like something that I pretty much uh, no, no, started. It still exists. Uh-huh. Very big pizza club. Very important, <laughs> we, uh, influential pizza club. 
and it was just basically like a like a, a text thread where we talk about pizza, send pictures, and so, we go, we show up to the places, and we'd yeah, yeah, show up and eat, you know. But of course, me and Luke, Mama Luke, who's my buddy, and I love him. You know, we 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 like play fight all the time. We're like two little kids, so we play fight, we play fight, we play fight. Everybody gets a little aggravated, like, all right, you guys are going too far. So I'll admit that Luke and I went a little far. We kind of took the thing in a direction it didn't necessarily always need to go, but uh. You know, and then and then and, and we then, had and to then, make a decision. And we threw you out. And then and then and then what happened was, uh, you know, manipulations occurred. <laughs> Richie got his evil in there. Armor got his evil in there. And uh, that being said, uh, at a certain point, an injustice occurred that was directed against me. At yep. which point, I decided they all, you know, they were all having fun with it. They were like chewing on it. You know, because it probably tasted good. I can't, you know. Uh, yeah, you see me roasting on a spit, you're going to take a bite. What are you going to do? So, uh, you know, I, I, they didn't expect it, but I just suddenly said, you know something, guys? Uh, I, I'm out. And I just, I just pulled yeah. myself out. And that's, and, and, and that's, and that's good. And that's good. Yeah, There's I don't remember left. like that, but okay. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly. I still have the text thread. I still have pictures of it. I can send it to you right now. But it anyway. A, it was that, a physical meeting face-to-face. And physical at, meeting. What are you talking about? At the end, we stood you up. We threw sh- salt over your shoulder <laughs> and pointed to the, and you point got to the you, door and you were out. You, you, sir, you can't. How could you live with yourself <laughs> saying that to me? But uh, uh, all kidding aside, um, yeah, we had. I'd love to do that pizza. You know what I mean? I would love it. Yes, it, was, it was. I still got to go eat pizza with Luke in the Bronx one of these days. Right now, everything's messed up, though, you know? Yeah, but the spots are kind of open now. And you go in there and it's like, you know, they're split up. There's... You know, it's not like normal, but you could get the food. So, yeah, we got to start making moves, man, because we should just have Luke. If if Nino's making pizza in his house, we should have like Luke making pizzas, making sandwiches in a garage somewhere. Yeah, but you don't eat the meat, though. So you're going to listen to me. The meat, that's fine. But hold on. If Luke's making a sandwich, you don't need meat on it. Yeah, you're right. Luke made me a Luke made me a sandwich. I went I went to Luke's deli back a couple of years ago with my mother. He made me, he first of all, he gave me a, three bags full of food and didn't charge me anything. Yeah. God bless. And I got it. And I got it. And I got a ticket outside. The meter yeah. maid gave me now a he's ticket. beat the cop up, I bet. Luke pretty much attacked the cop and I had to hold him back from getting arrested because he gave me it because the guy gave me a ticket. Loyal. He's like a bulldog. He was ready to rip the guy apart. Anyway, point being, he made me this sandwich. It was like a whole bunch of stuff on it. Now, when I say a whole bunch of stuff, it wasn't an overdone sandwich. It was balanced. He Perfect. took manchego. He took uh, eggplant, so, uh, uh, egg, breaded eggplant. He took like peppers, even broccoli rob. He made me this sandwich, the best sandwich I ever ate in my life. And really? it was un- no, no meat at all and unreal how good it was. Yeah, I mean the guy. The guy really knows. He's a he, he really knows how to cook. Oh, he's not just deli, sandwiches. He's a deli guy, but yeah, he could cook yeah. stuff. He could, but sandwich level is incredible. Listen, know? as much as me and Luke fight about food, goofing around, and and we the pizza thread it was really mainly a thing between me and Luke with the whole fate, the whole like goofy beef we had. When it comes to food, this guy knows what he's doing, man. He's an authority. He knows. When it comes to Italian food, he's a master. Now, were you a little upset with his? With his review of Amore, uh, no, I think he he said he he liked it. He goes, it's a he goes, it's a it's a good local place. He liked it. Yeah, but I mean, you're saying it's the best pizza ever. He's saying it's a good local place. It's a I'm saying place. it's the best New York pizza ever. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He's saying he he's saying it's the first time he didn't even finish the crust, 
And that was like a, a big deal. This guy always. Yeah, but uh, I explained to Luke beforehand. I said the crust isn't the star of the show. That's, well, of that's why. Not, of course, but still. You and, I explained, and the reason the crust isn't the star of the show is because it's traditional New York pizza. Traditional yeah. New York pizza has a certain type of crust. So I told Luke, I go, the sauce is. The, and he agreed. He said the sauce is great. He liked the pizza. Listen, to each his own. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I the reason I like Amore is because it reminds me of being a kid in the 70s and getting pizza after school on my bicycle. It is that I, type of pizza, 100%. Yeah, it's a saucy, delicious. Tr- it's, like, it's, like the, it's like the style of pizza, New York pizza. It's, it's like thinking to yourself, completely, the agnostic. Completely. It's the equivalent of saying agnostic front victim in pain is the greatest album ever in music. A lot of people will say, what are you kidding me? The guitar's out of tune. It's a fifth. It was recorded for three hundred dollars. This thing, the guy can't even sing in key. And to the average person, that may okay, that's valid. To me, Agnostic Front, Victim in Pain is is the quintessential greatest like record ever because it's pure New York hardcore. Now that being said, can you pick out things that would make another record like a Stevie Wonder record better? Sure, go right ahead. But. In I that accept tradi- your comparison. Very good. I like that. Yeah, like uh, old school rootsy. That being said, Amore isn't broken down at all. It's a completely delicious no. pizza. And yeah. you yourself have told me that in it's probably the best, the best traditional New York slice you ever had. It is. Well, I never got and just l- a slice from there, but getting a pie let me from say, there, unbelievable. Yeah, your boy, your boy Nino. Yeah, those are the pizzas they would bring to the 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 shows, the uh, the black and blue bowl, right? Yeah, many times. Yep. Let me tell you something about that guy's pizza. I ate that guy's pizza about two or three hours after he delivered it, and it was still delicious. Yeah, now, let me up. say this. His pizza, I've never seen pizza hold up over time like that. His pizza, two or three hours later, is still really good. You know, Amore is yeah. not good 20 minutes later. I'm not saying it's not good. 20 minutes later, it's not the same pie. Is my yeah. point. No, I so I got to give had him. had Nino's pizza this morning. The leftover actually was as far as far over. as le- as far as leftovers. His pizza wins the award for holds up the best over time. You know. Well, what I mean? now we got to get you a fresh one of his pizzas. That's what we got to do. Fresh. Uh, yeah, I want I want to meet the guy and see see him work too. You yeah, know that's what I mean. The thing. Like he'll, the show you, he'll tell you. You know, he was telling me that I thought you would be interested in yesterday. He he's a hardcore about- guy. Like he likes like he likes like the bands and stuff like that. Like yeah, hundred percent. But so he'd be into it. Oh, like he'd yeah, be like, yeah, he's down. He'd be, he'd be happy to meet me is my point. Yeah. I mean, you know, good, not good, no special good. attention. You know what I mean? But no, I, I maybe just if mean Lou, like if we he's could a, get Lou there, it'd be a bigger deal for yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> he's, he's aware. He's aware of, of, you know, the, all of this. hundred percent. This, this thing of ass. And you know, he was telling me about the, uh, about the gluten. Like he uses this dough that, uh, and, and this, he makes the dough in a certain way that they do overseas. And he's saying the stuff that's in bread in America is illegal in almost every other country. I forget really? what he, but yeah, so he gets into everything. He's telling you where he grows his stuff, where he gets it, what, why, why he uses this one now. And just, he loves it. He's a real, the real deal. We got to go. He's a, he's a pizza master. He's a pizza man. Yeah. I mean, you so can world class, when you, pizza maker of the year, multiple years, unless you yeah. love it. And I mean, he, he won, he won chopped against three other top world class pizza makers. That one guy I saw was that. well known. I, I watched that. Yeah. I watched him win chopped and I was like, wow, check out what this guy's doing. And he was throwing curveballs too. Yeah. He was throwing curveball. Part of the reason he won is because he was willing to throw like a curve, a sidearm yeah, curveball. He's a hardcore dude. Hardcore dudes don't follow rules. Come on. Yeah. I'm very excited about his backyard. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Maybe in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. 
Let me. Are you in New York a lot? Oh, real quick. Are you in New York a lot? Yeah, all the time. You know how you working? You working right now? I can't divulge that information. Okay. Okay. Whatever. We we can meet. Okay. Well, next up, next, next topic. But being in New York is no issue of any time. Okay. Now check this out. If a hardcore band plays a show right now, there would be a certain amount of, of opposition in the scene for people to say, Oh, they don't care about what's going on. A dangerous fuck them. Blah, blah, blah. With this virus going on, they play a show that's fucked up. Okay. That, that could happen. And that would happen. Is there? I, I'm, I'm noticing. Now, would sick of it all, if there was a show opportunity given, would they play the show under these current circumstances right now? Uh, I would. Yeah, most probably. Sure. It depends on what the circumstances are in the, the situation. Circumstances are basically you could get away with doing the show. You want to do it? Uh, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Depends oh, how like it goes. That. I like that. Depends how it goes. Yeah, Listen, if you're, like gonna, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to tell me there's going to be 15 people in there that, you know, that have a communicable disease, well, then that might change my, uh, my, my mind. Well, no, there's no way of knowing if that's a possibility. Yeah, but you notice you see how I worded that though too, you know? Yeah, I got you. I'm just saying for me, I mean, listen, if a hardcore show goes on and kids attack the hardcore band and you're a bunch of jerk offs because what he's sitting around you, you got no problem with Target or Walmart. You're going to attack a random hardcore show. Your own people. You're going to bite the. You're going to destroy the nest. Bite the hand that feeds. Eat, exactly. eat your own. Going to eat it's, your own. It's a foul bird that picks at its own nest. Yeah, my friend said that to me once, and I agree, pal. We like that. All right, Craig. I'm going to let you go. And guess what? I'm going to. I'm going to right, eventually. Right. I'm going to eventually interview uh, Armand. Okay. This week, sometime. Anything I can slip on Armand and hit him in the side of the head with a blind side or what? Give me a second. Uh, well, you can text it to me if you don't want to blow up the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, in case yeah. he does his homework. You know him right now. He's probably like doing homework. You know, he's going to try to. Yeah, his homework, his homework is drinking really expensive beer, but that's pretty good homework, actually. Yeah, that, that's true. I don't drink, but I can respect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And did you get a chance to read the Pete and Lou's book yet? I have not. No, I don't have a copy of it. I got to check it out. I'm excited. I heard good things. No, nobody, nobody, nobody gave me a copy. Well, why? I mean, I why don't you support your I friends. Buy us. Uh, sh- let me talk by scratch. I, oh I wasn't God. given. I wasn't given a copy by Pete Lou or Howie Abrams. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, were you interviewed for the for the book? I was interviewed very, very lightly, very lightly, oh, very, geez. very little, very little, very little. What a smack in the face! A key guy like yeah, that. run with it, run with it, kid. Give me some publicity. You might be <laughs> have to be my attorney for this one. I gotta get Lou on. No, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. It's just with all this stuff that happened, it's like ugh, that's like the, not what I'm thinking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, I tell me. you what. I tell you what. Hold on, real quick. Go ahead. You got all day. I'm ho- the book's got to be good because people seem to like it. And if you're going up against John's book and Roger's book. Those are two great books. So for what people to like it as – for people – I never read that. For people to like it as much as they do, it's got to be good because people – it's getting really nice reviews. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it'll be good. Yo, did you see – did you hear the new cro record by any chance? Uh, I think I heard one or two songs, yeah. Come on. I'm saying what I'm saying is I saw a video recently yeah. for a song that I was he walking around song. with like a, a, a like real mean looking whole time. In the he was walking around with like like a lot of under. He had like really serious underbite and what he the had fuck his neck. Is wrong with him? What is wrong with that guy? 
He had underbite, and he was talking through his teeth like he had underbite. It was weird. Nobody else in the video, no other band member, right? Just him walking. He like, oh, he like, he like goes to the park or something, right? Yeah. He's- it's weird. It's like he has he has clothes. He has like stuff up to his like chin, so it looks like he has no neck and underbite. It's like a weird filming or something. I don't know. I don't know what that is. And what do you think of the song itself? I don't really remember, to be honest with you. Oh wow, you are a politician. It was whack. Just say no. It. What what I'm saying is it didn't stick out enough for me to remember. And I'll say this: like the early Chromeg stuff and the writing of the early Chromeg's material, meaning the demo in the first album, yeah. it's really simple. They're simple songs, but it's like ACDC style, hit the nail on the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like great in its in its rudiment rudimentary structure. And uh, yeah. I, I wasn't. This, I wasn't. Like, he- is this even the same guy that wrote that stuff? How could it be? I wasn't hearing the same kind of quality in that. But then again, you can't just keep reliving the past. So well, that I mean, being you said, could if it's like you know, what it's, it's got a handful of albums. You know, it's not like he got thirty albums out. He got limited material. It could be similar to his early stuff. Honestly, I'm not that familiar with his work outside of the demo and the first album. Yeah. It was whack. It's whack. I'm whatever good. other whatever other work he's done, I, it, I I I've heard a song here and there, but it was never something that I was drawn to. Yeah. All right. You're a politician. I, and no, I, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not a big fan. And that's yeah. cool. But I loved I loved the demo. I loved the the songs on the demo on the first album. The songs and the bass playing is great early on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe his latest stuff is good, but I haven't heard too much of it. You know, I heard a song, I looked yeah. like ah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. All right, homie. We'll do your thing. I'll hit you up during the weekend. Uh, make some plans to get that pizza. All right, definitely. Put in a call to your friend and get the uh, get the preliminary reservation going. I'm definitely into that. You know how I do. All right, people, be be good out there, and uh, you know, don't let them take it away. You know, don't let them take it away. A year, a year or two from now, everything should be back to normal, a hundred percent. That's what. That's my point. You hear me, people? That's the world, right. the world got to unite. The world got to unite and forget about our differences. Not be pulled apart, divide and conquer. Can't happen. We need to come together and reclaim our rights as a free people of the world. And that's Craig ahead. Knowledge, baby. Knowledge. Sick of it all. Knowledge. Appreciate it, Craig. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you later. Bye, bye, peace. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you in? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfuckers.